0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Airing It Out Files from Leahy's broadcast booth. I'm John Leahy, and uh, we are on the road this week with the podcast. We're up at Merrimack College here in North Andover as uh, we get ready for the uh, college hockey season. Uh, we're in the, actually in uh, Coach Scott Borek's office. Scott could not be with us tonight. Uh, we had talked to him about uh, sitting in, but he has a family commitment uh, down in the city of Boston tonight. So uh, Scott has promised us that uh, he'll be on Next time, before we get into the episode this week, I'd like to thank my guest from last week. Dave Starman was with us. Dave is uh, one of the preeminent college hockey analysts. You can find him on CBS Sports Network, and uh, his work is going to be starting up very soon. We want to thank Dave for being here. And I'd also like to remind you that you can check out the podcasting the podcast website, which is at leahystorytelling.com, and uh, you can check out any, web, any episode that we've done. Uh, there's also a place for you to uh, leave a voice message. There's a purple microphone in the lower right-hand corner of each page. There's also a an area where you can uh, leave a review from zero to five stars, and you can also leave a written review as well. There's a blog. There's videos up there. So uh, please feel free to check that out. That's storytelling.com Well, we're going to take a look at Hockey East as the league's media day is tomorrow as we record this. Uh, Joining me is uh, my radio color analyst on Merrimack Hockey, Mike Macknick, and also uh, the author of the Between the Hash Marks uh, college hockey uh, podcast, Ian Beauchene. And uh, guys, it's great to have you here. Great uh, to have you here up at Merrimack doing this uh, podcast.
1: Thanks, John. Yeah, it's always great to be here with you guys, with you and Ian, and uh, looking forward to another season. Uh, Boy, uh, summer has gone by pretty fast, and I can't wait to drop the puck.
2: Yeah, summer some definitely flew by. And John, I just want to say again, thank you. I you know, echo the statement of Mike and having us on here. And, you know, the, the intro music you play at the start of the podcast has me itching, you know, for folks that <laughs> come down to Lawler Rink for uh, Warrior Men's Women Ice Hockey. That's uh, the ESPN NHL theme, is what we use here before we get the puck going here. And I heard those opening chords, and I was just about ready to welcome people in for a good yeah. uh, evening of. College hockey action here in North Andover,
0: yeah. so I'm ready to get going as well. Yeah. yeah, if you don't know, Ian is our public address announcer uh, here at Merrimack, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. we got lots of songs in here, so uh, <laughs> wait, wait till you listen to it back. It's going to be great. Well, the uh, League Media Day is tomorrow at TD Garden. We're recording this on a Monday night, uh, so by the time the podcast gets published, the Media Day will be over with. But uh, good to see the Media Day back. Uh, it, there were a couple of years that it wasn't... Uh, With us, but you know, COVID and all, but it's back, and we're happy to have it back.
1: So, is this the first media day with Steve Metcalf as commissioner? I believe so. so. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, now he was the commissioner during uh, the year that COVID hit, but they couldn't—they didn't do it live, obviously. Right. And uh, it was all—it was Zoom back then. When he started, but in terms of media day, yeah, I think uh, this is the first one.
1: Right, right. So that's exciting in that regard too, you know, and getting everybody together for the first time in what, three years it's been? Yeah, absolutely. It's been been a a while, yeah. Yeah, so that'll be very interesting to see what happens, it sounds like the format might be a little different from years past. So, you know, we'll look forward to that as well if they have it like more of a press conference style. So that'll be a little different from the past where you've tended to just go around and, uh, you know, find somebody to talk to and talk to them for a few minutes. Uh, I'll be interested to see, you know, we still don't know what the fallout's going to continue to be, I guess, from from COVID, right? Because, uh, you know, you still hear about, uh, you know, additional variants coming up and so on. And I'm sure that all the coaches, everybody wants to be careful and be safe and everything. And, you know, in the past, uh, coaches would typically bring several of their players, right, into into Boston uh, to the garden for this and, you know, maybe bring, you know, their captains or what have you. Are they going to still do that? Or will they do that tomorrow? I don't know. I guess we'll find out, right? But that's one of the things I'm wondering is, you know, if I'm a coach, maybe, you know, eh, you know starting to get started for the season, you know, I might not necessarily want to take those chances and maybe I just bring one guy. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I was going to say maybe just the one thing that coaches might have a little bit more – leniency with right now is it's just we're sitting here the second full week of September so there is still a little bit of time you know if for some reason the situation were to come up or a team were to come in contact and you know some sort of you know situation were to break out in a locker room but like you mentioned Mike coaches are more than likely going to want to play on the safe side so instead of maybe bringing four or five different guys maybe bring a captain and you know someone that you may look at as a you know a a bright spot for your team heading into
1: this upcoming year yeah yeah agreed
0: yeah, absolutely. And uh, in, the other thing about Media Day is it's earlier this year. I mean, in years past, yeah. it's been the last week in September. But uh, for whatever reason, they're doing it early. So well, the Women's League really... starts
1: sooner, right? They'll start yeah, a the week win- or yeah. so well, sooner.
0: The, 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 uh, the ladies here start uh, their first exhibition
2: game is the 24th. And then um, their first regular season game is the following Friday, Saturday when uh, Syracuse comes down. Syracuse will be here for a pair to
0: open up the season, yeah. right, uh, right outside the window.
1: Yeah, so that's it's coming up pretty fast in that regard. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, what I thought we'd do tonight is we'll take a look around the men's conference and uh, we'll just take a sneak peek at the eleven teams and get your guys' thoughts on on where everybody stands. I know it's early; we we don't even know uh, the full rosters. UConn just put their roster up today online, so. Nine of the 11 hockey schools have rosters up online. The only two that don't are Merrimack and Lowell. So, well, we'll get those two tomorrow at media day. But uh, I thought I'd just jump in. Maybe we can alternate. Uh, we'll go back, uh, uh, back and forth here a little bit. And uh, let's go in alphabetical order, if we could. Uh, we'll start with the Boston College Eagles. Of course, the big story down there, Jerry York, no longer the head coach there. Doug Brown... Uh, Uh, Will take over. Is it Doug Brown? Great, great. Greg Brown. Brown. Thank you. Greg's brother. uh,
1: Doug's brother. (laughs)
0: Thank you for that direction. But, uh, you know, certainly a new era down there at Boston College and. uh, you look at a guy like uh, Trevor Kuntar, and and I think he's going to be a big piece for that Eagles team offensively.
1: Well, so here's the thing now, right? I was thinking this on the way over here. So, now that Jerry is retired, who's the elder statesman in among hockey's coaches? it has been such a turnover yeah, it's a over the last 5 years or so, right? Yeah, right? Norm Bezan and and uh, be, uh, uh, right? a Lehman, couple Nate of Lehman, guys yeah. that I think we probably all think of as younger coaches, right? Yeah, yeah. And now these guys are the veterans, right? They they're they lead the way here mm-hmm. in terms of experience uh, at least in hockey east. So, that's uh it just shows you how much the has changed over the last few years, but I think when you know when you look at BC for one thing, uh, they have a good amount of continuity there, even with this with this change. I'm sure that you know I have to think that while I know that they they interviewed a number of. Pretty pretty solid candidates like Mike Cavanaugh and so on. Um, you know they probably had a good idea. You know that Greg Brown was going to have a pretty good, at least a pretty good chance at at, at being the successor to Jerry. And uh, and he's also got guys like Mike Ayers and Brendan Buckley. You know, bra Brooks Obrick, who have that, that experience. He's worked with these guys. You know, this should be they shouldn't miss a beat in that regard. I think the bigger question for BC this year is just the the turnover and the players that they've lost. You know. Um, you know Drew Hellison on defense. Um, you know St. Ivany as well. Um, and up front, I mean McLaughlin and uh, and McBain were huge for these guys. And uh, and they still, you know, finished around, you know, in the the um, the middle of the pack. Basically, or actually, technically, in eighth place, just a, a you know couple of points out, a couple of wins, I guess, out of seventh. But you know, still. Um, I think one of the the challenges for for BC for Greg Brown as he as he continues to build the program is when I think back to those years where BC was winning those national championships. Now they had they had the great players that they had, but they also had a, a lot of guys that that the, the the assistant coaches had brought in that were um, you know role type players who did everything that you needed to do to be successful, put penalty killing and so on. And that's the, that's where I think that they're looking for. They might have. I think they've got a number of those guys this year but the the um you know the the uh the, the top end players are where they need they also want to get back to getting those guys in in the fold and so you know I see BC when I look at look at them for this year I think that you know they're going to have they'll have some growing pains put it that way i see them as a middle of the pack team and depending on how they're able to come along in in that regard will dictate whether or not they're able to move higher
0: yeah they got a goaltender from colgate also mitch benson a graduate student so that's going to help them uh, between the pipes
1: yeah between him and is it uh dylan silverstein i think they got Mm -hmm. from the national team the u.s national development program it's probably going to be those two guys and and uh, should be a pretty good battle there i mean you've got a couple of Experience well, at least in, you know in terms of Benson, um, Silverstein's still you know playing with that program. You get you get a lot of experience even as a younger player. And BC's had great goaltenders come out of that program before, so that certainly could happen again. But um, you know that the the experience they lost on defense, that's something that they're going to have to try to find a way to replace. And and they want need need to spread the scoring around a little more up front too. I think.
0: Yeah, they're they're actually carrying four goaltenders. They have Henry Wilder and Jack Moffitt mm-hmm. uh who, you know, may not certainly get as much playing time as as uh Benson. Uh certainly Benson will, will play a, a lot of the minutes, but uh, it'd be interesting to see uh how BC goes there. Ian, any thoughts on the Eagles? Yeah, I mean, again, you know, a first-year
2: head coach coming in taking over, you know, following in the giant shoes that coach York was there for so long. It's there're going to be a lot of question marks. You know, how does his system come in and translate to what that program is known for and what it's expected for is on-the-ice excellence. And also, I'm sure he'll have his his student-athletes you know locked in and, and taking care of business off the ice in the classroom as well as, you know, BC is, like all institutions around here, they're focused on the education first. But as far as the on-ice stuff goes, it's going to be a question mark of, how well they can defend in their own end of the ice I mean you looked at some of the guys on their roster last year that 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 departed I mean there was a lot of experience there and at, at one point in time last year they had in as, as many as nine guys that were already NHL draftees in their lineup so it was there's a lot of experience that left but some some good spots for them coming back and it, it's going to be really interesting and I'm, I'm really concerned about um the main focus for BC being able to keep the puck out of the back of their net with uh, some of the question
0: marks on the back end.
1: Hey, they gave up more goals than anybody in the league in league play last yeah. year
0: except for Maine. Maine. Yep, yeah. that was it. They also got a transfer from Notre Dame and Cam Burke, so uh, he'll he'll help them as well. Uh, let's take a look at the BU Terriers. Ian, we'll start with you. Uh, again, a new coach for the Terriers. Jay Pandolfo is in. Albie O'Connell is out. The Terriers bring back some... Very important pieces here. Uh, First of all, offensively, they bring back uh, two really good players in Wilmer Skoog and Matt Brown. Uh, Also coming back for the Terriers uh, on their back line uh, will be uh, Fensori. Uh, He is a very, very big piece. Dominic Fensori, NHL draft pick. Uh, also, they get Case, uh, Case McCarthy back and uh, Cade Weber, another outstanding defenseman. They're going to be real good in goal with Camesso and DuPlessis, uh, guys uh, who have experience with the Terriers. Uh, Ian, let's start with you. Your thoughts on BU.
2: Well, so it, it came down to a tie break last year at the end of the regular season is part of the reason why BU had to go on the road and, and take on UConn in the playoffs, right? When you mentioned guys like Finsori coming back, um you know, you're looking at other guys like a Tristan Amonte. He'll be back for his sophomore year, so he has a year of experience underneath his belt. Um, and you look, Luke Tuck is coming back for his junior season. He w- he had a great season last year, as far as really leading uh, BU up front, as far as offensive production. I believe the only person that he was behind in points wise was uh, was Wilmer Scoug and Matt Brown, who was a transfer in from UMass Lowell the year prior. So um, they do have plenty of names on their lineup coming back that bring experience with them. Um, Again, the big question mark is you have another first-year head coach. I mean, we know people from BU that were, you know, clamoring for a coaching change and stating that, you know, uh, Albie O'Connell's message had grown stale, it, was, it wasn't it was resonating with his players and his lo- roster and in the locker room anymore um, and it, it just wasn't working and a change was finally needed and then at the end of the season it came and here you are, you're bringing in another former BU guy, BU likes to bring in BU guys to coach behind their bench and I'll be interested to see how much of the old BU Pandolfo brings with him because I mean He played under arguably the greatest coach in BU history in Jack Parker, so he knows what the top of the mountain and the view looks like from up there for BU hockey, and there's no doubt in my mind that that's where he wants to get this program back to.
0: Mike, what are your thoughts on the Terriers?
1: Yeah, well, let's remember, BU was pretty hot down the stretch last year in hockey. They had one of the best second halves in the league, if not anybody. It was a
0: slow start at the beginning of the year,
1: and
2: and their inability to score early in the season that, you know, Come Thanksgiving slash heading into the Christmas break time, found them at the bottom portion of the standings. But, but as you mentioned, that hot second half propelled them up to, you know, just a mere tiebreak from being able to host in the opening round of the playoffs. Yeah, and they
1: just faltered at the very end of the regular season, which is which is what caused them to have to go on the road. Yeah, they like lost. You said. Eight.
0: They lost eight to one at Maine. Yeah, that last yeah. weekend. Right. Yeah, yeah if right. They, I believe if they had picked yeah. up
2: five out of six points that weekend they would have been hosting in the first round, but instead yeah. they only picked up three um against me in that final weekend of the year and that's that that's where, the tiebreak came into play, and they had to go on the road.
1: The standings were really tight last year. You you had that three-way tie for fourth with uh, UConn coming out and winning the tiebreaker and ending up fourth, that final home ice spot Mm -hmm. of the quarterfinals, and then with BU and Merrimack losing out and ending up fifth and sixth, as it turned out. But, you know, that's how tight things were. But, uh, you know, so this is already, I mean, a BU team that I thought finished pretty strong, and I think a lot of people probably thought that that also – uh, you know, may have, have gotten Alby at least another year, but, uh, you know, with the way, probably the way the regular season ended and then losing in the, the first round of the playoffs, that's probably what ended up really making the decision there, I would think. But at any rate, um, another interesting, you know, you're talking about Pandolfo. You got Pandolfo and Brown, two guys who not only are coaching at their alma maters, they, they were there last year. So there is that continuity mm-hmm. there, again, with Pandolfo. They both got NHL experience, too, coaching, you know, as assistant coaches. The, the only difference, really, between those two guys, for the most part, is that Brown did spend that year at, with Dubuque, you know, in the USHL, you know, as a head coach. So Pendolfo hasn't doesn't have that, but I'm not sure that that really matters. You know, I mean, these guys have been there before. You know, they they know their school, they know what they're recruiting to. They're they're no doubt they're excited to be to have this opportunity, and and they have guys working with them that they're familiar with, and uh, y- you know, all of that stuff. I think just just bodes well for the future of both of these programs. But I think when you look at BU this year you have to look at a couple of things. One is, you know, they've got a couple of the – several, I would say. You know, at each each position at forward, defense, and goal, they've got a player who is among the very best players in the league, you know. If you're talking about forward, it's Skoog, right? Yep. All-hockey's player last year. Now, on defense, it's Fensori. No question about. It. He's one of the top two defenders in the league. And then in goal, it's Drew Camesso, who had a terrific year. I thought last year as well. You know, I and mean, it starts from the goaltender on out, right? So this is a team that does bring a lot back from last year. Jay O'Brien was hurt much of the year, and uh, you know, and, and if he's healthy this year, I think he only played 24 games last year. He's healthy this year. That builds pretty well for them. So that's a team that, you know, when I was looking, you know, at, at the, uh, the the standings, the rankings there, or you know, trying to decide how to, how to put things together for the media poll um you know i looked at bu and i said geez you know everybody's got question marks right that's typical that's not not unusual bu doesn't have quite as many as a lot of other teams do so i had them closer to the top of the standings and you know in my final ranking
0: yeah dave starman told me last week uh, he thinks that the bu job is one of the toughest jobs in the country to coach A lot of pressure there. And, uh, you know, you're you're, you're filling the shoes of Jack Parker. So he set the bar pretty high. So, Mm -hmm. But you're right, Ian. uh, BU brings a lot of BU people in. Uh, In fact, that's all they've done. That's all.
2: That's all they've done, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just echoing off of your your statement earlier, Mike, in Camesso, I think the one thing that will help them too, right, is two years ago there was a question of whether he was going to be going off to play with the U S national team for the world juniors, he's no longer eligible. So you don't have to worry about missing your number one goaltender for, you know, a month, month and a half, whatever, at that Christmas into the start of the, you know, the 23 calendar portion of the schedule next year. So, you know, that'll certainly help as far as solidifying the goaltending position and not having to worry about, oh, are we going to have him? Are we not going to have him? What do we do if we don't? So I think that'll also help BU going
1: forward. And he's a veteran too now. You know, he's been there. So, you know, he's a guy they can count on.
2: Yeah, that international and, you know, global stage will certainly help him and, you know, it'll It'll only make him feel cooler and calmer under tighter pressure situations.
1: Yeah, he's one of the best in the league. <laughs> if Devin Levi wasn't at Northeastern. we might be talking about him. Yeah.
0: All right, let's talk about UConn. Mike, we'll start with you. A brand-new arena coming uh, on campus at Storrs. Uh, Ryan Swerberg will come back. He's going to lead this offense. But you take a look at the guys UConn lost. Johnny Evans, a Merrimack killer. Uh, Condoleek is gone. Uh, they did pick up Amonte from BU. Also, uh, Carter Turnbull. Another guy that uh, won't be coming back, and first off he was a star, yeah, so uh Mike Cavanaugh has some holes to fill, but you gotta think that off the momentum the huskies had last year, they were on the right track,
1: Darian Hansen and goal, right. You know, he had transferred from Union. He's not back. You know, he's he finished out his career. Uh, another guy that I was really impressed with every time we saw UConn was Mark Gatkin, a guy who was, yeah, you, know, yeah. a, you know, one of those, you know, gritty, grinded out kind of guys who just worked hard and, and always seemed to be, you know, involved in the play. Um, you're right. They, they lost a lot from last year from that team. And it's really interesting, I think, to look at things like, you know, we'll see the coaches poll tomorrow. And by the time folks hear this, I guess, on Wednesday, that'll be out already. Um, the media poll came out already and UConn. On naturally, you know, as you'd expect, is is closer to the top of the standings. But I think a lot of times people do just look at what happened last year and uh, and go off of that. And I'm not saying that you know they can't necessarily get back to that. But I think that they've got. They're one of the teams that I think has more questions to answer than some of the other ones. You know, Goal is one of them. You know, they've got a Russian kid coming in who you know, looks like he might potentially be, be the guy that they'll look to. Um, you know, up front, you know, Torberg definitely is, is one of the better players in the league, but he's not going to have as much around him as he did before. So we're going to see what he's going to, you know, what yeah, he, he's yeah, able to true. do without that. Very true. Um, I, I look at them as being one of those again, you know, maybe middle of the pack sort of teams. They're going to have to draw on the experience they had last year, where they came within a goal, an overtime goal, of making the NCAA tournament in the Hockey East Championship game. But it's a little bit of a rebuilding, I would say, year for for Mike Cavanaugh down there. But the, there's a lot of excitement, no question, with the new rink. So that'll certainly get them going. And then it's going to be a question of the, the you know, the freshmen, the new guys that come in. What are they able to do this year? How are they able to, to fill those? some of those holes, and uh, so we'll see what happens. Like They did lose some very, very good players. There's no question about it.
0: Absolutely, and I should mention that uh, they're not going away from the XL Center. They're still going to play some games there, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I guess until things get uh, more structured down there, but uh, that's an important piece of what UConn has done playing games in Hartford. Ian, any thoughts on UConn?
2: Yeah, I, again, I I had UConn at the top, towards the top portion of my uh, preseason Poll that I that I filled out and all that, but um, I I do think that Mike brought up some good points as far as some of the guys that that uh, UConn lost following the end of last season. I mean, you know, you mentioned Johnny Evans right at the top. Top John, I mean, he, anytime we saw Merrimack and Merrimack UConn killer, game, yeah. you could yeah. you could bet he was figuring in for at least two, if not three points in some fashion. And you know, it, it was it was never never a fun night to be on the other end when uh, UConn came into town.
0: Yeah, he had four uh, in the COVID year against Merrimack down in stores. So uh, Merrimack's glad to see him yeah. uh, him graduate. <laughs> but uh, yeah, UConn's going to be good. I had them in in the poll, Mike, that you just did. I had them as. Uh, Second, I believe, behind UMass, so they're going to be real good. Yeah,
2: yeah I, I forgot. I forgot where I put them. I think I had them around third or fourth somewhere. You know, so again, top top third of the standings. But uh, no, they do have some question marks coming into the year. I mean, it's another one of those things. But you know, Kavanaugh's got a system in place down there, and he's now at the point during his tenure in stores that he's going after guys that are going to come in and help. You know, contribute to the system that he already has in place. He wants guys that are going to come in and just be another cog in the wheel. You know, you mentioned uh, the freshman goaltender that they have coming in from uh, Yaroslavl, Russia. Arseny Sergeyev, I believe, is how it would be pronounced. I'll get better pronunciation when you know the UConn That's SIDs come into, come into town. <laughs> Actually, but, both of your jobs. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the other big thing, you know, just overall that stands out to me here, looking at their roster for this upcoming year. I only count two rostered players that are from outside North America. And one of them will be the freshman goaltender, and the other one is a freshman forward, Samu Salmienen, a freshman coming over from, from uh, Helsinki, Finland. The last couple of years, you looked at UConn's roster. What stuck out to you? They had six, seven... Russians, you know, three yeah. or four Czechs, you know, guys that are used to playing on a little bit of a bigger surface and aren't afraid to, you know, douse you with the moves when they had the chance. Now it's North America and a Finn and another Russian on their roster. So,
1: so that's a really good point. You know, does that, does that, uh, Signify maybe a little bit of a change in, in strategy there for, yeah. for Mike Cavanaugh down there.
0: Absolutely. you know, And, and you guys are right. that There has been uh, a large a proponent of, of Russian kids that have passed through there. So yeah, Europeans in general. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So UConn certainly is a team to watch, and uh, their new arena is going to be exciting. So uh, that's great. Uh, Ian, we're going to start with you with the Maine Black Bears, uh, a very young team. Uh, they're getting comfortable with uh, Coach Barr's system up there. Uh, One of the players that I was impressed with on that main team was Lyndon Breen. Uh, He had a goal in that playoff game against Merrimack. They've also got a a few exciting pieces there in uh, Donovan Villeneuve-Huhl and uh, also Ben Poisson. So uh, I think the Black Bears will will improve their offensive output. Uh, Jacob Sirota, I think, will lead this main team on defense. And uh, Victor Osman, I think, will get his fair share of time and goal. I I have a feeling that that may be the way that Ben Barr goes. Uh, Ian, let's start with you. What are your thoughts on Maine?
2: Yeah, again, another another young team. Um, I feel like we've you know we've only talked about three now heading on to the fourth team here in the league, but there's a lot of youth going on in this calendar change over a year here as we go into the 22-23 season. Um, Maine is no exception to that. Uh, looking at their roster, a lot of sophomores, a lot of freshmen. Um The juniors and seniors are sparse, but again, they were there last year for Ben Barr. They know what's expected of them. Um, You mentioned Donovan Villanueva-Hul. No doubt he's going to probably be one of the leaders up front for the Black Bears, along with Poisson. Um, It's just a question of the goaltending and defense, same thing as we kind of brought up. With BU, Maine gave up a lot of goals last year and really found themselves out of games early at times. There were times where they battled back. For example, Merrimack made the trip up there last year that Merrimack was up 5-1 or 5-2 in the third period. All of a sudden, Maine comes storming back, finds a way to tie it late in that game, and then goes on to end up winning it in overtime. So I, I think that some of those experiences are definitely building blocks for this Black Bear team. Um, But, again, Victor Ostman, he's going to have to have a pretty good year in net for the Black Bears if they want to find their way out of the basement of Hockey East, I think. Mike, your
0: thoughts on Maine?
1: I, I think it's still, you know, it's only the second year for Ben Barr up there, and so you have to expect that it's still going to take him some time. A lot of turnover this year, no question about it. That's what you expect to see with a new coach that comes in, and, and when the you know the team has been closer to the bottom of the standings, that's going to happen, right? So I expect that they're going to be young, um, you know, uh, lacking in experience, um, but we're, we're going to find out. Um, you know what kind of talent he's, he's able to bring in and starting to bring in here. And uh, if I remember right, they were one of they may have been one of the more active teams in the portal. Um, I think Maine, if I remember right, Maine, Vermont, and Merrimack might have been three of the more active teams out of Hockey East in the portal. And so, you know, that's an area I think he's going to look at. Of course, they lost Adam Daw, so that was that's one player that isn't going to be back at Maine this year.
0: And but, Schmidt, uh, Schmidt's best trip as well. He, yeah, he transferred that's out right. as well.
1: That's right. So, so uh, right, and those were a couple of their better players last year, no question about it. So it's still going to be. I think, um, you know, a bit of a rebuilding year for them. Uh, you mentioned that the 8-1 to game at the end of the year, they certainly got, got up to play, um, knowing that it was going to be their final home weekend of the season against, uh, against BU, one of the better teams in the league, and they, they came to play that weekend no question about it maybe they had overdone it by the time they came in here to play Merrimack in the first round of the tournament and then ended up losing uh, i think the score was 6 to 2 or something yeah, like that yeah, but yeah. but uh you know again i i think ben's a good coach we saw what he's done in so many places in the past including umass of course um it's just that they they are you know they're they're on that upward swing i think but they're they're still trying to get up the mountain and so uh, I would expect that this is going to be, you know, another year where, you know, they're going to to look for bright spots here or there, look to do, continue to develop players and uh, look to see what they've got among the guys that are coming in um, and then, you know, see what happens. If they do get, like you said, they get, they get solid goaltending, you know, then that bodes well for them. Certainly beyond that, um, we're just going to see what happens.
0: Yeah, and uh, don't forget, they have the wild card of playing in Alphond Arena on Friday and Saturday nights. So that that place is unlike any other place in college. Well, you know
1: what? That is something that in in recent years, they've gotten away from that a bit. And I think it does go hand in hand with being a good team. You know, I, I think that over the years where it's been known as a difficult place to play, Maine's also had some pretty good teams over those years, you know, the Sean Walsh years, the Tim Whitehead years, and, and you know, years where you'd go up there and uh, maybe you'd have a lead by winning by a goal with, you know, six or seven minutes to play, and then all of a sudden that crowd would just get up and and start cheering and stomping on the bleachers and everything, and you couldn't hear yourself think, and before you know it, Maine would tie it up, and then they'd get the game winner, or, you know, the couple of minutes left or in overtime or, or what have you. That just seemed like it happened so many times over the years, and that's what I think they need to get back to that, that is no question in my mind. Out of the eleven rinks in hockey, of course, we'll see what happens with UConn building a an on-rink campus on um, you know and rink on campus. But but that Al Alfond up there to me is one of those places where where they can really have a home ice advantage that is like very few other places in Division One, not just in hockey. East.
0: Yeah, we've had some fun games up there. That's for sure. It's always a, a pleasure uh, to do games up there. In, yeah, um, I,
1: that's one of
2: two buildings at the moment, but once UConn builds their new rink on campus, it'll be three. That's one of the, uh, you know, small select group of buildings that I've yet uh, yet to travel to, so I'm hoping to cross all of them off by the end of this this upcoming season,
1: they dress warmly. Yeah, <laughs> if you're heading up there and it's in the the dead of winter, yeah. dress warmly. But also make sure you bring a few extra bucks. So you're going to head up to Pat's Pizza or one of those yeah. places up there. Yeah, you know, absolutely. get some, get yeah. a good bite to eat. John, I just <laughs> I
0: just went to Pat's for the first time last oh, really? year, going up there. Oh really? I'd never been up there. Oh. Yeah. So that. What
1: was... happened to the guy who who would bring the baked potatoes? Remember that? Yeah, they're gone. The, the, yeah. They're, oh, is that right? So Ian, you you missed this, right? But there's a guy that he had a booth there, and you could go and get yourself a honest to goodness main baked Potato with all the fixings, yeah. whatever you wanted to put on. Sell you a baked potato <laughs> for a few bucks. You know, you you know, cut it open, load it up with some sour cream or what have you. I mean, that was a great yeah, good pre-game good, snack. Car-
0: good carbs before you, a That's right. right? Yeah, that's
1: also yeah. like
2: a, that's a unique feature, right? You're not yeah. you're not going to find that anywhere else, really. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's, you're not
1: going to find that at uh, Lowell, you know? No. <laughs> for instance. Uh, I just <laughs>
2: had a quick question here. Does anybody I'm looking at the Black Bear roster here? Does anybody know the last time Hockey East had a Scotsman? play in the league no I can't
1: uh, oh no. gosh there was somebody um,
2: Maine has a freshman Thomas Friel yeah he's a fresh, coming in from uh, Aberdeen Scotland mm-hmm. I just I saw that on the roster and it stuck out to me I didn't know if the anybody Aberdeen's knew a bell. the uh, I feel last like, time there was a Scotsman in the I league I
1: feel like it was Maine that had a guy from Scotland some number of years back but I just I, I can't remember who it was yeah. but but that's a good point right there I mean it just shows you the continued uh, you know international reach of the game
0: yeah all right, you're listening to "Wearing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. This is our uh, Hockey's Preview with uh, Mike Macnick, who is the uh, analyst on uh, Merrimack uh, Hockey Broadcast, and Ian Beauchene, our public address announcer, uh, here at Lawler Rink. Uh, Mike, let us take a look at the UMass Minutemen. Uh, we'll start with Garrett Wade. He's coming back as a graduate student. Uh, Cal Kiefuke, a, a solid, solid player. I like uh, Ryan Ufko, that defenseman. Uh, he really anchors that D. They lose Trevino and Lapina; those are two big hits. Uh, Reed Lebster had a fine year. Morrow is a rising star. Scott Morrow. Every time we've seen him play against Merrimack, he's been rock solid, and uh, they should be young in goal. Uh, Mercury also will help their offense. Lucas Mercury. How do you break down the minute, man?
1: Well UMass has lost a lot, especially up front. And you mentioned Garrett Wait; He actually was injured over the summer and uh, indications are it's possibly a career ending. Yeah, I've I've, uh, heard, that, I've heard that it's not good. Right, right. I don't do you, did you hear any more about what no, it was that happened? I, there wasn't too much that came out no, about that. No, I
2: haven't I have heard anything other other than, you know, things that I might have been circulating on social media, but you know, certainly you know, sending best wishes to him, and hopefully yeah. it's something that, you Not know. Not like it matters what it was, but, yeah, you know, I didn't know if that, it was
1: related to off-ice training or something else. I, no, I just I, didn't know. I
2: haven't heard, but, uh, I, I again, just hope that it's something that still allows him to, you know, go about and live a yeah. normal day-to-day lifestyle like uh, like he intends to do post-hockey.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was a great addition to that team, no question about it, when he came over and transferred. But, uh, you know, you mentioned Trevino, Lupina, um, you know, Wade, of course. Colin Felix was another guy who was huge for them on the blue line. Uh, Anthony Del Gaizo, a two-way player, you know, played both defense and, and forward for them over the years. You know, big, big losses. Matt Murray in goal. Uh, you know, they have big, big question marks in goal this year. No question about it. Now, the return of Morrow, absolutely He's We talked about Dom Fensori. Scott Morrow's the other one. He th- those two guys are the top blue liners in the league, and and Morrow is just unbelievable, an unbelievable player. And uh, with UFCO, they've got two guys there that are very, very good. Um, so, there, you know, the question marks are there for a team that did finish in second place uh, in the standings last year, won the tournament, and you know, went to the NCAA tournament. Um, they have a lot of holes to fill, no question about it. On the other hand, I've come to think of UMass now like we thought of Lowell, you know, after several years with Norm Bazin, after certainly a number of years of Jerry York at BC, is that... You know, until until shown otherwise, <laughs> I, I gotta think that UMass is going to be up there, and you know because uh, great well, Carville's just carvel factor, absolutely. Carville factor. Yeah. He's yeah. done a great job. Now there's yeah. no question about it. And I heard I heard some of your uh, podcasts with Dave Starman last week. It was Dave's always great, so I certainly encourage folks to tune in and catch that from last week. Um, it's still very very valid. You know, with the season not having started yet, but. Um, You know, one of the things he did point out is now in the last couple of years, Greg's lost a couple of his top assistants. Coaching staff. Jared DeMichael. Jared Jared
0: DeMichael's another guy. That's right. Uh, Matt Matt Lindsey is another one Uh,
2: on
1: the staff, too. that's true. And Ben Barr, who we'd mentioned, is now at Maine. So, you know, so there has been a lot of turnover there. You can maybe contrast that with BC and BU we talked about earlier who have had that continuity. So now that's another question mark. You know, what's Greg going to do there? The guys that he's brought in, are they going to be able to, uh, you know, how are they going to gel together? I'm I'm sure Greg being as smart a guy as he is, you know, that they're going to find a way to get that done. But there there could be a bit of a period of adjustment. We'll see. Um, So I still – I see UMass as being one of those, you know, again, uh, because of the the track record – and also because a guy like Morrow can certainly, he can he can really change a game by himself, um, maybe towards the upper echelon of that middle tier sort of of teams. You know, they, they certainly could get in there at home ice, uh, you know, in the top four. Can they challenge for first like they did last year? I'm not sure if they can do that this year. We'll talk about Northeastern, but Northeastern is just a you know, powerhouse as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, but I still think that UMass is gonna be one of the they'll be one of the better teams in the league.
2: Yeah. I think the goaltending position at UMass now with Matt Murray being gone is the biggest question mark. There's no there's no question that UMass will be great defensively. They're gonna have guys that'll put the puck in the back of the net. But Matt Murray I feel at times was the anchor for that team and really kept them in games where maybe they didn't come out and have their best performance at times. Um, You got Luke Pavicic, who's heading into this year potentially as the number one, but Cole Brady also transferred in from Arizona State. He's a junior. He has another year of experience over Pavicic. So I think that might help a little bit. And who's to say that – Brad Carville's not going to have a quick hook when it comes to his younger goaltender early in the season if he comes out and maybe he's struggling through the first four, five, six games of the season and say, hey, you know, Cole, it's your net now. you got to go out and take it and, you know, give us a little bit more stability out there. Um, Brady, last season, um, I'm just trying to see if I can find his his numbers from Arizona State. I can't, I'm I'm obviously, I remember... they, they obviously play independent um, as far as the schedule is concerned. But, yeah, last year um, out at Arizona State, uh, sorry for the delay here, John. Um, he played in 12 games a 3.89 goals against average and a 900 save percentage, a record overall of five and six. I mean, again, you look at Arizona State, I mean, they were... They're not the greatest, and they certainly they always play a stronger schedule, I think, than their roster and talent allows for at times because of the fact that you know they have to play x amount of games on the road, not to do to the fact they're not having a home arena, but that's changing this year, and they have other tenants in the building as well with the Arizona Coyotes. So, um, but I, I do think goaltending is the question mark heading into this year for UMass and that will really dictate how far um, this Minuteman team can go
1: this season. UMass scored 77 goals in league play last year more than any other team in the league. Yeah. That's not going to happen this year.
0: We lose a great broadcaster too Brock Hines who's stepping down after 29 years with the Minutemen. We're going to miss him dearly but I have a feeling we're going to see him around the rinks. I think he's got a <laughs> few things in the fire. Let's do one more team before we take a commercial break. Uh, we're going to start with Ian on this one. We'll take a look at the UMass Lowell Riverhawks. Boy, you want to talk about a team that lost a ton. Uh, Karensic, Chambers, Wells, Lee, uh, Andre Lee, who signed with the Los Angeles Kings, uh, Kaiser, Brichette, Condetta, uh, Condotta, I beg your pardon. Uh, Matt Kraza, I thought, was terrific last year for UMass Lowell. Really good, really good freshman last year. Um, goaltending, I think they're going to be young. I think Meehan is a solid defenseman. But Norm Bazan always has this team ready to go. Let's start with you, Ian, and the UMass Lowell.
2: We, we just talked about it a few moments ago, right, with UMass. One consistent, they still have Carville behind the bench. UMass Lowell might have lost a lot of talent this year. They still have Norm Bazan behind the bench. He has his guys locked in every year. And Dave, uh, I heard Dave bring up this point on your podcast last week, John. It doesn't matter. Like, he's got guys that come in. Get them rolling, and it doesn't matter whether it's a first year or a senior. The only reason why they may lose a game is because they didn't play, you know, to their level that they're expected or that Norm Maysan is expecting of them. And I don't expect a whole lot different from them uh, this year, despite all the loss of talent. I mean, they're bringing um, their goaltenders. They are going to be young. You got a freshman um, in Edward Nordland coming over from Sweden. He's six foot two. Uh, so we, another bigger goaltender for for Lowell. We we've seen the likes of guys like Connor Halabak who came through and was spectacular in his two years at Lowell. So Lowell is no stranger when it comes to having goaltenders come in and really steal the spotlight. But again, I think as long as Norm Bazin is there, it's hard to really put this team down on paper at the start of the season, saying oh they're gonna finish towards the bottom portion of the standings. I just I don't see it happening. This year, And it's, you know, it, it's just up for debate now at this point. We'll see what happens.
0: Mike, what do you think of the Riverhawks?
1: They finished a point out of first place last year, tied with UMass uh, mm-hmm. for second, and just a point behind Northeastern. Yep. Um, in some ways, they've lost you know, a lot like UMass has, you know, Owen Savory in goal. So, you know, that's another area where one of those constants that you mentioned, Ian, you know, during the Norm Bazan tenure here has been, you know, they've had one of the better goaltenders in the league. So can they do that again this year? That's what we're going to have to, you know, find out. They've even had guys, you know, who have, you know, not had much of a track record, you know, have, you know, stepped up and played well and led them in goal and and also, I think, benefited from the team style in front of them, you know, the way that they play. And, you know, when they're playing well, you know, that is certainly, and that's the big challenge for Norm is to get everybody on the same page. And more often than not, they do. Uh, you know, there are some times when maybe guys might stray from that. But, uh, you know, more often than not, that's that's got a lot to do with it. And, and they have had uh, over the years, you know, some of the top players in the league at their positions. You know, Krasa is, is – Another one of those guys who's going to be that this year, um but I just think that this is a team that when i when I look at other teams around the league, um they've got more depth, I think, and they have always had more depth than most teams in the league, most teams in hockey east, and that's had a lot to do with you know you can you can try to roll four lines against them. There's very few teams that can roll four lines and 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 match them you know yeah and and so that's an area where i would i think that they're still going to be. I think, you know, when, when I look at teams that, you know, are they going, again, are they going to challenge for first? I think that's going to be tough, but um, that's going to be true for a lot of teams. I think they could be one of the better, uh, at least middle of the pack teams, maybe still get home ice in the league. That's, it's going to be a battle again. I mean, you look yeah. at this. We, I mean, just looking at what happened last year, you know, the teams that finished, you know, five, six, seven very, very easily could have ended up with home ice, and they didn't. Uh, I mean, home ice for the quarterfinal, at least. I, I think that's going to be the case again this year.
2: There's only one team that's allowed fewer goals last season in conference play northeastern with yeah. devin levi yeah. so i mean yeah. it's going to be a question and of, that's a testament well, to
1: the to the way that they play they exactly. all everybody buys in
2: exactly you, they defend from the net out not you know playing offensive style they they're more of the we take care of our end of the ice first and then everything else comes secondary after that point and i think now this year more than ever with some of the pieces that we've talked about them losing, it's going to be more critical to stay true to that structure if they want to have similar success like they did last year. It's
1: so tough to get pucks through. Against them, so hard. They just positionally, yes yeah, Positionally, they're so sound. Yeah, like yeah. you said, they do those little to things that just very, very smart. You know, very well coached team. They always have been. Um, you know, I understand. I'm sure. If, you know, if you're a if you're a UMass Lowell fan, you can you know sometimes get frustrated watching them night in and night out because they're not perfect, right? But who is? <laughs> That's what I would say. You know, watching them, I guess from you know the other side of of, of the ledger, as it were, for a while. I've just continued to be impressed with how they just do the little things so well time after time again.
0: And Dave Starman talked about it last week. They just work hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You take a look yeah. at that Denver game that they lost to to eliminate them uh, from the tournament. Uh, I thought Lowell was an, outs- they had an outstanding game. I thought they could have beaten Denver. Lowell, Lowell, yeah. It just Without, came down to a bounce of the
2: puck. That's all right. it was. Yeah. Lowell, right. I thought Lowell was, I'm not going to say the marginally better team, but they were the better team for larger portions of that game. Yeah. And, I mean, you look at it at the end of it, right? They got eliminated on a weird bounce to a team that ended up going on to win the national championship here locally in Boston.
0: So it's just one of those things, but we'll we'll see what happens this year. All right, we're going to take a short break. We're going to learn about mitochondrial disease. When we come back, we will take a look at the other five teams, Merrimack, UNH, Northeastern, Providence, and Vermont. You're listening to Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. Stay with us. Part two is next. Hello, hockey fans. I'm Dan Rusinowski. Mitochondrial
1: disease is a rare multi symptom disease characterized by breakdowns in the mitochondria, which are specialized compartments that are present in every cell of the body except red blood cells and are responsible for creating more than 90% of the energy needed by the body to sustain life and support growth a disease most commonly associated with children. Currently, there is no cure, just management of symptoms. Hugs for Mito Incorporated is mitochondrial disease, rare disease advocacy, awareness, fundraising for research trials, and hopefully a cure. To learn more, please visit hugsformito.org.
0: All right, we're back here at Merrimack College. We, this is our Hockey East preview. I'm John Leahy. Joining me is uh, Mike Macnick, the longtime radio analyst of Merrimack College Hockey Broadcast, and uh, also Ian Beauchene. He is our public address announcer here at Merrimack College, also the author of the Between the Hash Marks podcast. We have looked at the uh, first six teams in Hockey East, BCBU, UConn, Maine, UMass and UMass Lowell. Let's get into our very own Merrimack Warriors. Mike, we're going to start with you. A team very active in the transfer portal. Big losses on D. You lose Zach Ewens, Declan Carlisle to the NHL. Zach Bunnell went to Bowling Green in the transfer portal. Nice additions, though. You get Otto Will uh, Lepinen uh, from RPI. Also Slava Demon, who has played for four years. He played at Denver and UMass. Will Calv- uh, Calverly. Who uh, comes to the Warriors from RIT? You've got uh, Tristan Crozier who comes over from Brown, and uh, also uh, uh, Ryan Leibold who uh, will join the Warriors from Holy Cross. So, uh, Mike, certainly some key losses on D, but you got to feel good about these portal additions.
1: Well, this is certainly one of the more interesting teams in the league, and even aside from the fact that obviously you know we, we work closely with them um, because they were. They were not that far from finishing, let's say, at least in second place, you know, in the league. And they had those games against Northeastern down the stretch there. You know, they win one of those games, and all of a sudden, it's a different story. You know, they were only really, uh, you know, a couple of games, as it were, out of uh, of first place. You know, 41 points, and Northeastern ended up with 47. Those six points, that's two games. That's two wins. Now... Tall order, certainly, to beat Northeastern twice. But if they had done that, they, they win the league, you know. And this is a team that uh, that had the number one power play in the conference. They were score, scoring on better than a 26% clip uh, on the power play last year. And now a lot of that had to do with guys that they brought in via the portal. So Scott Bork, when he came into Merrimack, was known for recruiting, known for being a very, very aggressive recruiter. And when this all of this stuff transpired over the last couple of years, I think, with, uh, with the transfer portal, I think he certainly saw that as an opportunity. He said, this is right up my alley. And so what did he do? You know, he brought in guys like Max Newton and Steven Jandrick, you know, Jake Durfling, or guys last year who were just outstanding players and made them a, a much deeper team, made them, you know, the, some of the better players in the league. Certainly Newton, I think, if, if he wasn't an all-star, he was he was uh, honorable mention or, or something along those lines. But, but, you know, Newton and Jandrick were, a dynamic combination and putting those two guys together, knowing the success they'd had before that at Alaska Fairbanks uh, was just brilliant. And so they had, you know, they had all the pieces I thought, last year to be a pretty good team and and they certainly were they they ended up in a tie for fourth which is the highest they've been in the borg tenure and the highest they've been in quite some time um but now they lose those guys like you said that's one of the things it, it'll be interesting i think to follow this team throughout the next few years and see uh you know transfer portal certainly seems to be an area where you can help yourself a lot in a hurry and they seem to have done that again this year um I think I saw one of the rankings. Maybe it was Mike McMahon's rank, ranking. I don't know. That had them among one of the top teams in the country in, in terms of how they appear to have fared with regard to the portal. That's going to add an awful lot of depth with the guys that they lost. Um, but they do also bring some other guys back already, like Philip Forsmark, who's one of the better forwards in the league. Alex Jeffries, who's unbelievable talent. You know, we see it flashes of it here and there. And, you know, I think he's searching for consistency. And, and this year may be the year that he gets that. Yeah, this, that is, the year, this that. is the
0: year we want to be a breakout year for Alex. Mm-hmm. you know, yep. you figure he's, I mean, he came in as one yeah. of the
1: younger players in the league yep. so no question about that but uh, you know so they have all you put all these guys together, the guys that you mentioned that, that are coming in as the transfers, and they should be able to put together a top six that's right up there with they, a lot yeah, of the teams in the league. Able, it should yeah. very
2: easily be able to compete with any any team in the league. I mean, I, I night out I mean. Another guy I think I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing him grow and develop on the ice is Macapone Capone, too. Yep. I mean, yep. late last season, he really found ways to shine at times when this team needed, you know, it, maybe not necessarily a, a big goal, But, you know, a a defensive play, you know, whether it was blocking a shot or, you know, just making a a short, simple clear out of his own end and it maybe led to a two-on-one or a three-on-two the other way that might not necessarily led to a scoring opportunity, but, you know, maybe it created zone time in the other team's end of the ice and, you know, you got a cycle going, you were able to make a line change, get things going as far as that was concerned. And then maybe a shift or two later was when the puck, was able to find the back of the net. But I I think this year you're going to want to see more growth from Matt Capone as far as his overall play um, for Coach Boric. That's one guy I'm looking at. And then we've mentioned a couple times, goaltending is huge, and you got the biggest goaltender in the league, (laughs) and, and Hugo Olas coming back in for his second year as what? I would imagine who he would be the number one goaltender here is unless something, you know, drastic changed. I mean, the end of the year for for Hugo, he was you know, he was he was pretty good. He lost two of his last uh, six games and or three. He went th- four and three in his last seven games. Uh, lost game here against UConn. Uh, won both games up in Vermont and then lost here at home against. Northeastern, and then obviously the playoff game uh, at Lowell. So I mean, overall his numbers, he finished uh, finished the year with a just real quick uh, a 9.20 save percentage and a 2.24 goals against average, and he played 18 games, gave up 36 goals in the season. If you're Coach Boric and you got a goaltender giving up two goals a game and when your offense is going to be able to score, you know, two and a half, three, maybe three and a half per game, you like your chances and you like your team coming back and uh, and, and potentially building off what success they had last year.
1: And, and the other big question is certainly going to be, uh, you know, not not that, that that's, that's not a question, but in terms of, you know, the players that they had to replace is on defense. You mentioned it, John. Uh, you know, the three guys that they lost, um, you know, are all guys that, played a significant role in that offense that we talked about and in that power play, you know, Carlisle, Ewins, and Vanel. Uh, but uh, but they have a guy in Bookman coming in, Zach Bookman, mm-hmm. who <laughs> smashed the records of a guy named Cale McCarr up in junior hockey, and, you know, that doesn't mean he's going to be that type of player or, or, good or that good, be but keeping, it isn't bad company. You're absolutely right. And so, you know, he does come in with with that track record and something to hang his hat on, and, you know, does it? mean that there's may, might be a little more pressure on him than some other guys. Yeah, but what's wrong with that? I don't see anything wrong with that.
2: Some guys look at pressure and see as a, as a chance to to grow and show what they are really capable of, yeah. you know, and who says that he's going to be any different?
1: Yep. And you got another guy I think coming back, you know, Liam Dennison. Who I think has there's an opportunity there for him to be able to step into a role, and you know he's shown that when he's needed to step in, whether it was because of injury or you know illness or what have you, you know he's been a very dependable and solid player. I think they're going to depend more on him this year, but I think he he probably looked at this situation and says, hey, this is a great opportunity for me, great situation Mm -hmm. for him. So you know there's a lot of areas where. Uh, there there are question marks, but at the same time, there's also the potential for answering those questions. So, it'll be interesting to see. You know, when I looked at it, I said, "Okay, you know, base again, based on the question marks that they had, um, you know, I probably had to put them a little clo- closer to the bottom of that middle tier of the of the teams in the league." But you know, what again, we're talking about a case where the uh, you know the top seven or eight teams in the league last year there wasn't that much uh, that kept. The, uh, you know, the six, seven, eight teams out of home ice. So, you know, it's going to continue to be a battle there, I think. And it's night in and night out. You have to start right from the, from the get-go, right from the start in Hockey East and, and uh, you know, realizing that every, every well, now three points, every three points in, in the league is going to be big.
2: I think one thing that also, too, is going to help this team is they have a great road trip to start the year. You, you're you not playing at home until the third week of October on October 18th when you open up against UNH. You have a chance to go up to the North Country in upstate New York and play Uh, st lawrence and clarkson two great tests for coach boric and this warrior team right out of the gate and it's a great chance for some of these guys that are new trying to you know acclimate to this to this team and this roster and the culture that coach boric has already brought into north Andover. that's a great spot you get the guys on the road get them away from everything you know around here on campus and just go off and all you have to do is worry about playing hockey that's it.
1: You know, one one thing that was interesting last year was, and we talked about it throughout the year, it almost seemed like they were playing better on the road than they were at home oh, yeah. for oh, much yeah. of the year. But if they can find a way, you know, this is another one of those rinks with the low ceiling, and if you fill it with your fans and, and so on, you know, we saw it, I think, in the playoff game against Maine, where it, it can have an impact. And so if they're able to do that, uh, on more of a consistent basis, then, you know that's a type of advantage that not everybody has in the league.
2: New video board and the sound system. I'm looking forward to testing out on my end here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That'll that'll also help too. But there just go. going back to some of the guys we lost. Personally, I'm gonna miss uh, announcing Deck and Yui here. Uh, those are two of my favorite favorite calls here in the building. So but, <laughs> both uh, NHL guys. Yeah. Now. Wish yeah. them yeah. Uh, yeah. wish them the best of luck in uh, you know going forward and looking forward to succeed, uh, seeing them succeed at the uh, the National Hockey League level. That's for sure.
0: All right, Ian, let's move on to UNH. Uh, A few nice pickups for them. They're going to have a former warrior on their squad, Connor Lovett, who played here. They also picked up a defenseman by the name of Jack Babbage. Also, uh, Nico DeVita, another guy they got from the Midwestern part of the country. Callie Erickson, I think, is the real deal. Uh, One of the top players on that UNH team. Uh, They lost a couple of big pieces in Tyler Ward. Jackson Pearson uh, goes out to Notre Dame, so that's certainly going to hurt. Philip Angaris, uh, a terrific hockey player as well. Uh, Devlin, I thought, had a, fr- a solid freshman year, and uh, uh, they'll also get some help from Luke Reed on uh, defense. And of course, they lose Mike Robinson, uh, who had a terrific uh, year at uh, career at UNH. Uh, what's your take on the Wildcats? Yeah. So again, this is a
2: team that finished bottom third of the standings last year. Um, they struggled keeping the puck out of the back of their net. Uh, gave up seventy one goals in conference play in twenty four games. And losing a guy like Mike Robinson only hurts that even further. Um, Last season, you know, they were trying to keep their head above water for long stretches of time. Um, I thought towards the end of the year, they really might have found a little something heading towards the end of the regular season and then, you know, only to bow out in the first round of the playoffs. but that loss,
0: they, it was an overtime it loss was, at BC. It was. Now, they, they played. That, that, they played well. Yeah, and yeah.
2: I, that I was going to bring that up as well. I mean, you went on the road. You played against the BC team, who you know we talked about it earlier. They were loaded offensively with with some of their weapons up front. They had a goaltender who was playing really well at the time. And they pushed them to the absolute brink, and ultimately came up just one goal short. Um, some of the additions that you mentioned, uh, Connor Lovett. I'm interested to see how that, uh, that effect um, sprinkles in there. But some of the returning guys, Callie Erickson, um, he's returning for another year. Chase Stevenson will be back, the senior from West Kelowna, British Columbia. Um, he'll be a big cog for the UNH offense. Uh, Colton Huard on the back end, he'll be a, a piece that... I think UNH is going to need to rely on, and also you got to think about it too. They're no longer playing on the Olympic sheet during the uh, during the summer here, or the off season. They they brought it down. I think it was ten feet off off the boards, so it's no longer an Olympic Olympic size sheet. It's a little larger than your standard,
1: a two hundred by ninety. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: I don't think. Yeah, I'm not sure the exact dimensions, but you know, it's still it's one. It's a bigger sheet, and that's something that they're going to have to try and work their way around. And I mean, just like Merrimack does here, it's a smaller sheet. Corners are tighter. You know, the ceiling's lower. That's a bigger place. It, you got to find ways to make that play to your advantage. And I think that that's a question that UNH is going to have to answer here early
0: on in the season. Mike, what's your take on the Wildcats?
1: Uh, well, so last year, the three northern New England schools uh, in New Hampshire, Vermont, and Maine finished uh, the bottom three of the standings. And that seems to be at least where the media had them again uh, this year. Again, you know, like, like I said, a lot of times, people are just going to go off of whatever happened previously. But uh, you, you mentioned the losses, uh, you know, as far as what UNH has had. And, and I know that there were times last year that they had trouble scoring goals. And it just seems like the guys they had that were scoring goals, for the, they lost a lot of them. That's, gonna, that's going to be, I think, uh, you know, an area where they're going to have to find some answers. Um, you talked about UMass. They had 77 goals in the league last year. And UNH only had 47. So, um, you know, that's a pretty big Difference that's, you know, a goal a game can can make a difference there, Um, certainly. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens with. Um, you know they've got while they lost Robinson. You know they've they've got a guy who potentially is pretty good in Musler coming in. Um, and we saw yeah,
0: him here, right? When he played against uh, Merrimack in that exhibition,
1: right? Game. That's right. And I know that he had he didn't have a good game that night, but he had a very good year with the U.S. national team. And so he's a guy that I think that they are looking to put. You know, probably to end up taking that job, whether it's out of out of camp or or at some point down the line here. But you know that's a case where you can have a freshman goalie that comes in who plays very, very well and, and lifts the rest of your team like that. But, you know, they're going to have to depend on guys. Like you mentioned, like Erickson, um, you know, guys like that who are, you know, I would say have going to have to lead like, like he will from the blue line. But um, you you know, UNH has always been the type of team that has been, uh, you know, high flying offensively uh, likes to get up and down the ice. I don't think that's going to change. I don't, you know, bringing bringing the um, bringing the walls in, you know, a little bit on on each side. I don't know that that's going to change that all that that much necessarily. That you know that they would like to play that way, but the question is, are they going to have the horses to play that way? I'm not sure if they do this year, and so we'll find out. But, uh, but that's probably a, a reason why they ended up where they ended up in the uh, at least in the, the media poll.
0: All right, we'll keep an eye on the Wildcats. Merrimack and UNH have an exhibition game on October 1st. I believe it's closed to the media, so. Uh, that's similar to what happened last year. The Warriors went up to Durham and played uh, a game. So a chance to kind of stretch out the legs before uh, both Merrimack and UNH head up to North Country. They're traveling together on that trip. So um, a good chance to see UNH early on. All right, Mike, let's uh, move on over to Northeastern. I guess <laughs> the two uh, the two big pieces are coming back. Uh, Devin Levi and uh, Aiden McDonough, who broke Merrimack's heart here at in this rink, uh, the last game of the regular season. Merrimack was nine seconds away from uh, clinching a uh, home ice spot in the tournament. Aiden McDonough scored to end that game. Northeastern winning it 1-0. So uh, you get Levi back. You get McDonough back. Liam Walsh a former Warrior, will be down uh, at Northeastern. So uh, that's a nice pickup uh, for the Huskies. You've got Gunnar Wolf Fontaine, outstanding player. Uh, Sam Colangelo, what a season he had last year. So the Northeastern's getting uh, him back. Uh, Jakob Novak will be coming back as well. The Jacksons are gone. Uh, they lost the uh, – uh, actually, uh, ritz is coming back. Mm-hmm. And uh, – well, what can you say, Northeastern? Uh, yeah, where, defending hockey team where do chance. you begin?
1: <laughs> yeah, where do you begin? Where Where are the holes on this team? I don't. I don't see them. Jaden Struble on defense. Yeah, right. You know, right. they lost Harris, but uh, you know, Struble is uh, he was right there with him uh, in terms of being one of the better uh, defenders in the league. Th- this is a team, as far as I look. You know, one of one of the things I thought about was you know it's other than UMass winning that national title a couple of years ago. The rest of the league has been relatively quiet. I know Providence did get to the Frozen Four a couple of years ago as well, but it's been relatively quiet. And uh, you know, who is the team that potentially could come out of Hockey East next year and make a run at a national title? I think it's Northeastern. Finally, oh, yeah. Yeah. and it, it feels like it feels like it should be finally their year because they've been building two of this for so long you know they've gotten to the national tournament but then not able to not been able to get over that hump and they've won they've won hockey east regular season titles now and and tournament titles and uh and jerry keefe has been there throughout all of it he's been first alongside jim madigan and then taking over uh, you know when jim madigan became the ad there and uh and jerry keefe just does nothing but win, and, and his recruiting's got an awful lot to do with it. You look at the talent on this team, and oh, they're stacked. Yeah. I mean, this is a stacked team from the goaltender on out. And even if we didn't talk about the fact that they've got by far the best goaltender in the league and, and one of the very best in the country, if not the best in the country, um, you, you know, you're know, you also talking about know, everybody else on the, on the team from defense to forward and so on. They're just very, very loaded. But then you you, know, you say well, you know what? we're going to give you guys the best goaltender as well. How does how, how does that sound? <laughs> and uh, and and it's it's hard not to see them. Boy, you know I hesitate to see it, say anybody running away with it, but they they could run away with the league this year. That wouldn't surprise me, you know. At least running away, meaning that you know we could get down to like the second to last weekend of the season, and it might be decided already. I know it wasn't last year, but but I don't know that that's going to be the case again this year. Th- this that's is that's a
0: hard sell in hockey East. I mean, it's it, hard. You're yeah, right. I mean the competition's so so good on any given night. But uh, but
1: they are that much better, I think, than everybody else. I just I don't see any holes on this team, and and this is already a team that last year you know they were they obviously had the number one goals against with the best goaltender in the yeah. league. Their penalty kill was number one in the league. That's not going to change.
2: Uh, I think the big question here: When was the last time heading into a, a hockey season that we had a team that was so? I I, I don't want to say heavily favored, but like when was the last time that we saw a team that was this loaded? heading into a season and people are just, you know, automatic you know, may as well just give them the number one spot and, you know, hand them the trophy. Now I'm not, not again, not that we could get down to the second or the third weekend last week of the season. And, you know, there might still be some stuff on the line. Like maybe there's a team or two that has a chance to maybe catch them. And then maybe with a tie break or something along the lines. But I agree. I think the Northeastern really has a chance to just, you know, be miles ahead of, you know, Second and third place in this in this conference this year. Just what some of the guys are returning. I mean, you, you mentioned the names uh, on the back end: Jaden Struble, Jeremy Bouchelet. um Up front, uh, Michael Outson's coming back. He was a, uh, he had a pretty productive sophomore season. Matt Chapani. Um, as a freshman, he opened a lot of eyes. Gunnar Wolfontaine, yeah. fontaine Novak. And I
1: mean, was hurt down the stretch. Yeah. And the, he the, was one of the top faceoff guys in the league, not only, you know, aside from the scoring you yeah, know, and I, that he brings.
2: We, we talked about Sam Colangelo. I had him on my preseason All-Hockey East team. I, I think that this kid's going to... You know, open a lot of eyes this season. He, I think he potentially could have a chance to be Northeastern's leading, uh, leading point scorer at the end of the season next hey, year. Did, did it should... we even mention Aiden
1: McDonough? No,
0: yeah,
1: we did. <laughs> did, we did you? Oh, did. I know, yeah. I didn't. Right, I didn't <laughs> <But> either. <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of talked. Might, I might... talked
0: about the heartbreaking goal he scored. Yeah, that's well, yeah. right. Right, yeah.
1: right. So, so right. he might be the hockey's player of the year. And and we just talked about all these other guys that make no. their team great. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they're going to be they're going to be dangerous. They are going to be a very dangerous hockey club.
2: And and North, uh, they're going to be one of those teams that, you know, they can win a win a hockey game one nothing easily, or they could also put up a touchdown and a two point conversion on you without blinking in the in in the middle of a game. There there's no. You know, there's no in between with these guys. I except mean, except
1: you're not going to get in a shootout against them because you no, no, not going to give gonna, that. You're not going to win. You're not going
2: to win a game six, five,
1: yeah, five, four. He's not going to give up five or six. You, you'll yeah.
0: be, you know, it be... happened
1: maybe once or twice last year, right? I think Well, they I've hit. got
0: it right here. They gave they gave up six to Arizona State on right. January 11th. Right. They gave up six to UMass on January 22nd. That was the game Levi was pulled after the first period. Yeah, he gave
2: What he give up three in the first period? Yeah,
0: yeah. And, yep. uh, but it doesn't happen that
2: often. You look yep. at all,
0: you look at all the zeros in the goals against column for Northeastern oh. last year. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, uh, ten. Uh, they oh. shut out Merrimack. That was their tenth shutout of the year last year. Yep. And uh, wow, that's just he'll uh, be up off for the chance. Richter
1: Award again. No yeah, I mean, look, at,
2: look at the hockey uh, semifinals last year. Right, it was a two to one, two to one game, yep. and ultimately it just came down to uh, UConn playing just a little bit better, and they found a way to shut down Northeastern's offensive mm-hmm. weapons up front. I mean, Levi I give up two goals, you, you can't ask for your goaltender do, to do much better than that in a, in a semifinal game. And they just
1: well, they reloaded. And you know what? I think that the way that that season ended for them, after how good it was throughout you know... Sour grapes. M- yeah, absolutely. That's got to motivate them for this year to come back and and be even better.
0: Okay, let's move on to Providence. Uh, We will start with you, Ian. Um, Well, the Friars bring back a terrific, terrific player in Patrick Moynihan. Uh, Nice offensive balance with Parker Ford, Cody Mons, also Chase Yoder, the Penguins draft choice. Um, On defense, uh, the Friars will bring back Uh, let's see, I'm trying to decode my notes here. I think I'm trying to say they're going to be young on defense. I was looking for a player named Young. But uh, Guillaume Richard had a solid freshman year. Also, uh, Cam McDonald will help the Friars defensively. They got some goalie help uh, in Austin Roden, who they got from Nebraska in the uh, transfer portal. Uh, Nate Lehman was courted by multiple teams. Boston College took a long, long look at Nate. I believe I also heard he was in the conversation uh, for the Boston Bruins job. So uh, that was uh, quite a feather in his cap. But uh, also the Berard tradition will uh, stay on in Providence. Brady Barard, the freshman, will join the Friars this year. Providence, always a good club. Ian, let's start with you on the Friars.
2: Yeah, I mean, again, you mentioned they're retooled. You know, they they brought back... You know, some of their guys, uh, you know, Riley Duran, he was spectacular for them at times last year. Uh, Nick Poisson, we talked about uh, his brother Ben up in Maine. Um, he had a better year for the Friars and Coach Lehman last season. He'll be back for his junior year. Uh, Max Crozier on the back end. Um, I'm looking at a guy in Connor Kelly, who, who's, who's a junior from Maple Grove, Minnesota. He transferred over from uh, Minnesota Duluth. Um, so we'll interested to see there. But again, a couple times now, we talked about the help uh, they got in net with Austin Roden. Um, Jackson Stauber being gone, I think, is a big loss for this Friar team. Uh, Stauber kept them in a lot of games last year and really might have taken some of the shine away from some of the weaker spots on the back end. Not that Coach Lehman, you know, usually you, you can... You can't usually see his flaws on on his rosters, but at times last year, Providence really got run around in their own end. I mean, Merrimack took two out of three last year, if I if I remember correctly, yeah. right? Yeah, Providence they, won yeah. the opening game, and then and Merrimack, then Merrimack had won. The sweep. Yeah, they yeah. won the weekend sweep, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I mean. Uh, the Providence team that we saw towards the tail end of the year was a lot different than what we saw at the beginning of the year I I mean I went down to the opener last year in October at Providence and I was like oh okay this is a Providence team that is just going to pick up where they left off you know the year prior you know they put up six goals on, on the Warriors I'm like okay well I guess we can kind of pencil them in towards the top of the standings and then you know, as the season kind of progressed, they ran into some struggles and then they eventually they found themselves in the seventh spot to end the year. So um, I do like some of their returning pieces, but I do think that uh, the goaltending and Stauber now being gone, that's uh, that's a different type of uh type of situation for coach Lehman and uh, and his staff down there in Providence yeah Roden is a senior so
0: he'll give them some experience there Mike what are your thoughts on the Friars
1: yeah I mean that is certainly I think uh, a, a big question and goal and and you know they've had such good goaltending lately and we don't know what's going to happen this year so that's a, you know talk about teams with a question mark you know that's that's a big one for them um for a team that at times they looked like the best team in the league last year and then At times, they were just so inconsistent. I think they need to find that consistency. And, you know, just finishing a game over five hundred in the league last year wasn't going to cut it, and they needed to be better than that. And I think that they've got the players up front that that can – they've got the horses, in other words, you know, led by Berard and Ford. Um, You know, and Berard is, again, one of those guys who I – Uh, I think he's going to be one of the better players in the league.
0: I think Moynihan is one of the top players in this league. He is solid. He's an NHL pick,
1: too. Yep, and Ian mentioned Riley Duran, who had a great freshman year. They have a very, very solid contingent of of forwards. Um, The question is going to be, you know, can they – What's going to happen with the blue line? Which you know they've got a couple of guys that have been good, as you mentioned. Uh, I thought Rashad was very, very good last year. Um, but what's going to happen in goal? We, we don't know. Um, can they find that consistency? I think that's been the bigger the bigger question mark for them over the last year or so. Is that you know they can't have they can't you know th- they can't have those weekends where like they lose both of the games that you mentioned you know to to Merrimack for instance, and um, you know and they would just they they need to. I think really they they need to get out of the gate and be strong from the get go. This is a this is a team that I think should have more talent, probably you know than than a decent number of teams in the league. But the question is going to be, what can they do with it?
0: All right, Mike. Uh, we're going to move on to our final team here, and that's <laughs> the uh, Vermont Catamounts. A very young, exciting team. Vermont struggled to score last year uh Jacques boucault is a is a solid part of that team uh he'll he'll lead the offense they'll also count on guys like uh William LeMay and also William Zapernick on D also a uh, Yelush I thought was a good player for them last year defensively I think Vermont's going to be pretty good they've got Joe Leahy back as the grad student from Cornell Robbie uh Stucker was another guy they got from Minnesota so there's some proven commodities there and uh also, they're going to get uh, Gabe Carrier back in goal, uh, and they also pick up a transfer from Princeton and Finn Evans. So, lots of freshman help. That, that Vermont team's going to be interesting this year. Yeah, I
1: thought that Carrier was was, was very good for them last year, and, and, and I, I like the energy that Todd Woodcroft brought, brought to the team, and I also think that kind of like some of the other coaches we mentioned in the league, he's been very active in the portal and and you know bringing in a lot of guys to try to help them right away, help them get better right away, and I think it, like with Ben Barr at Maine, it's going to be a lot of fun and interesting to see what he's able to do there as he continues to build things. Um, that, is, that is another of those places where they've got, with the home ice advantage, potential home ice advantage, to make that a real tough place for people to go in and play. Um, you know, they have to, you go back to some of the years when Vermont had some of the, the, the the absolute top-end talent, some of the better players in the league, that's what they need to get back to. And I think they're still, you know, like Maine, they're still going to be in this position of continuing to build things for a while. They were, they were a real tough out a lot of times for teams last year, but they still end up falling just short. I would look for them this year to start to win a few more of those games and then see what they're able to do after that, as well as, you know, just how good, you know, do, do they end up, hitting a home run in the portal with the guys that they brought in. And then does that end up moving them up a couple of spots, maybe even higher than folks thought. Um, So it's going to be real interesting, I think, to watch Vermont this year.
0: All right, Ian, uh, what are your thoughts on the Catamounts? Yeah,
2: I had originally put Vermont towards the bottom portion of the standings in the media poll this season. But I think they have a chance to really surprise some people and open up some eyes. We, we talked about it, right? They're, they're bringing back some guys in uh, Jacques Bucot, who will be wearing the C this year for, for Vermont and Coach Woodcroft's crew. Uh, Gabe Carrier is going to be coming back in net. And they also brought in Oscar Audio, the transfer from Penn State there. So he'll, he'll have a senior season up in Vermont. So there's a little bit of uh, experience in front of Carrier if Woodcroft needs to utilize it. But I think that Carrier is going to respond well. And you talked about it, Mike. This team was in a handful of games late, you know, down by a goal or tied, and they find up find a way to give up an untimely goal and end up, you know, falling behind and ultimately losing the game. I do think that they're going to find themselves in a lot more games this season, and it's just again, it's just a question of whether or not they can get over that hump and find ways. Like we've talked about here with this Merrimack team the last couple of years, right? Last year, we saw them at multiple times during the season, tied late or up a goal. They found a way to persevere and hold on to the lead and or pick up a goal late. I think that's where this Vermont team is. It's a question of whether or not they can ultimately hold on to a lead or, you know, pick up a lead late and then secure a victory. I I, I think Vermont much like you, has a chance to uh, surprise some people and maybe find themselves finishing up a little higher in the standings than people might have predicted.
0: We didn't even touch on Carter Long. He's, he's a graduate student. Uh, he's going to be a good player too. He is a good player.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I like what Todd Woodcroft has done there, what he's been trying to do. Uh, like I said, the, his aggressiveness when it comes to recruiting and just going after whoever he can get to try to make his team better. It's what you got to do.
0: All right, guys, that's the 11 teams here in Hockey East. Any final thoughts before we wrap it up, Mike?
1: Well, I don't know, John. I mean, we talked about all the teams. Uh, how do you see it shaking out? Who, who wins the league this well, year?
0: I, I, you well, know, like I said, I, I think I'm uh, – I got to think Northeastern's got to be the powerhouse. Uh, you know, what they're bringing back and what they're going to put on the ice is going to be awfully special. They're going to be tough to beat, especially down there at Matthews Arena. So I would look for Northeastern to, uh, to finish first.
2: Yeah, I'll echo that, too. I mean, how about we take it one step further? Who are your four teams at the Garden come March?
1: That's a good question. Let's see. Because uh, it's, easy, it's easy to pick one winner, but who do you have? You know, it depends so much on what the matchups are, right? You know, you can say who you think. And I know last year the top four in the, in the standings ended up being yeah. the top four at the Garden. It's not always like that, though.
0: I can give you my four if you want them. Sure. I've got Northeastern, BU, Lowell, and UConn. That's my four. Okay, going out on, okay. on a limb here a little bit with Lowell because they lost a lot, but Norm Bazan gets it done.
1: I think Providence gets back in there. Yep. I, I okay. just I see them doing that. And we talked about the eldest statesman in the league. It's Norm Bazan. It's uh, it's it's Nate Lehman.
0: They're tied, by the way. Yeah, they are tied at twelve years coming into this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep.
2: so I will also go. I'll go Northeastern. I think Lowell has a chance to get back there, too. I just think that Bayzan has that system down. It doesn't matter who comes in, who goes out. I think they have a chance to get back there. I also like that UConn pick, John. I think that UConn has a chance to build on their season last year. And I'm going to go back to providence i i also agree with mike here a little bit too i think providence has a chance to get back there so i'm going to go northeastern
0: wall yukon and providence at the garden how hard is it to leave umass off the list yeah talk about a glaring omission yeah
1: yeah right uh, and that that's one of the things that gives me pause there when i when i think about that is you know and then of course you know i had had uh you know providence in there as well you know i don't know it's it's a It's a a tough call, and there's so much that we just don't know at this point of the season. That's the other thing. You know, nobody's going to play for another three weeks or so, and, you know, in a month we could all be – Taking this, uh, you know, whatever we've come up with, and tear it up and throw it out the window.
0: All right, guys, <laughs> yeah. we're out of time. Thanks so much uh, to both of you for being here. It's always a great show when you guys are here.
1: Hey, Frozen Fenway. We didn't mention that, Absolutely. right? That's coming yeah, up this year that's too. That's
0: right. Uh, they announced the teams: Northeastern and Yukon. BC is playing who? UMass. UMass. I guess? U-Mass yeah. yeah. Yep. yep. And, and then a couple of women's, women's games as well. Yeah, Holy Cross right. and
2: BU, and I believe they're going to announce another one
0: uh, at a future uh, date and time. Great stuff. So, and also you've got uh, the Friendship uh, Four over in Belfast. That's right, that's right. So Hockey East will be represented. Lowell is going over as well as UMass, so... uh Quite a travel schedule for them. these oh, are good right?
1: events. I think that, you know, the, mm-hmm. there are a couple of the events that make the league unique. You know, the mm-hmm. other leagues, you know, I realize the ECAC has teams in the Friendship Four and they may play some games. They may yet play some games at Fenway. We'll see. But, uh, you know, when this comes around, Fenway every few years, Hockey East has always been a big part of it. Yep. And, uh, you know, I realized that there were folks that say, okay, yeah, you know, the sight lines are terrible. I've, I've gone to games in the past and they, uh, um, you know, the weather was awful or what have you. Yeah, it's I could sp- speak to that. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, was, I was not... there back in 2010
2: when uh, the Bruins and Flyers were there for the Winter Classic. <laughs> I made the trip in for the BCBU game. It was about 15 degrees. It was a 7.05 puck drop. It snowed the entire time we were there. I turned to my father in the end of the second period. I'm like, well, let's go. We made it home in time for the start of the third period because there was a little bit of the weather delay at the start of the third. So. Nice.
0: And don't forget the television package this year. Uh all the games in the league will be yeah. on ESPN Plus. So if you uh, get a chance to hear you, well, you know that'll be great. And, and you can, uh, if you subscribe, you'll get every hockey East game on that package on ESPN Plus. So, so we're 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 on the new frontier now in twenty two twenty three. Excellent. Uh, kind of a learn a little bit of a learning curve for us because it's, it's not going to be a radio broadcast anymore. So uh, we'll uh, we'll roll with the uh, punches, so to speak. All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, for Ian Bouchaine, Mike Macnick, I'm John Leahy. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. You've been listening to airing it out files from Leahy's broadcast booth. We'll catch you next week for another episode. So long, everybody.